So, Father, thank you that um, thank you that we can share fellowship and that your word is conducive to that. Thank you, Lord, that you're that you are the word. Thank you, Father, that we hear you and see you in the Word of God. And thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, that you, um, by your Spirit, are ministering that Word to us. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that that um, you are at work in us, and that, as I think I said earlier, you have promised to complete what you began. And so we thank you for it, Lord, and I ask now in this final session that any loose ends in people's minds, anything that is confusing, anything that um, you would have us know that we don't yet know, you would just speak loudly to us, Lord, that we don't leave here um, without hearing what you would have us know. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Paul wanted to ensure that the Christ he preached and the one that the believers in Corinth were um, serving and the one that they were following um, was real, was real. And that really is, um, I was going to say should be, and you would have all put your hands up, that, that really is the motive of um, our hearts, isn't it? That the Christ we say we follow is the Christ who is real and that we present him to a world that needs to know him. Um, and the reason that to Paul that was so important, and actually to us the reason it's so important, is that the eternity of people depends on us representing Christ properly. People's eternity depends on our representation, our witness of Jesus. And, you know... Sometimes I say something like that, and I know that people think, well, that's such a heavy load to put on us, and that's really, you know, it's putting all the responsibility on us. And of course, it's not entirely our responsibility. We're not the ones who convert. The Holy Spirit converts people. But we are the people left here to represent Christ. And, and if in an effort to divorce, take all the responsibility off of Christians, what I think we often do is that we, we leave ourselves with nothing at all and we start to think it doesn't matter what we do or say when actually it does. The people around us, whether we realise it or not, watch us. And when they watch us, what do they see? And that's what Paul was concerned about with the church in Corinth. He was concerned about their own salvation, what they were actually doing and the way they were honouring God in their own lives. But he was also concerned about the witness out into the world. And um, that's really how he's going to continue in this little section. And he's going to talk about um, really the paradoxes of the Christian life, the sufferings of the servant, the suffering that the servant of Christ goes through, and the character of the servant of Christ, and how the life of a Christian is a paradox. It is two things going along at the same time. And, um, and so I'm just going to read uh, from actually verse 3 of chapter 6 down through verse 7. Um, well, actually, verse 2, uh, the end of verse 2. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no cause for offence in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God. 
in much endurance, in affliction, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonment, in tumults, in labour, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonour, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, um, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. It's really, when you read these verses, I mean, you can read through them fairly quickly and you can understand on the surface what they mean, but when you actually look into them, Paul is just really laying out the reality of the Christian life and how it is not understandable to a person without the Spirit. It is not understandable how people can live this life without the Holy Spirit. They just cannot understand it. And because they cannot understand it, it is the greatest single witness to Jesus that there is. It's, it's bigger than your words. It's bigger than your sacrifice. It's bigger than your church attendance. It's bigger than all of those things because no one can live this life without the Holy Spirit. This life is impossible without Christ. And look at what he says. He says he's, there's great endurance in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labours, sleeplessness and hunger. Now he's just said he's trying to commend Christ to them. He's trying to draw, Christ, draw people to Christ. So how on earth does this draw people to Christ? I want to tell you, since I came to Christ, since I came to Christ boy, have I been afflicted. And I've been beaten, and I've had to labour really hard, and there's been so many trials and storms and difficulties. But you come to Christ too. It doesn't do that. But what he does is he goes on from that and describes his character through those difficulties. In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And I'm sure he's talking about the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. And what he's doing is he's showing that the power of God, because of the life of Christ within him, instead of being bitter and angry and upset, he's actually... Enduring with joy the difficulty. He's becoming purer. He's becoming kinder. He's becoming more aware of the Holy Spirit within him. He's lifting the sword of the Spirit and holding up the shield of faith more and more and more because of the trials that he's going through. Diana said that earlier. She said that in a way that suffering brings out more of what God wants us to know and that's exactly Paul's witness. He says he's not been broken by the pain of his ministry. He's been enabled to live with joy and not complain. He's been patient, trusting God's timing and not his own. And he has decided to respond to the glory of God in all things. And that is our choice. 
How do we respond to the difficulties of life? How do we respond to the call of God on our life? How do we respond when you get a thought in your head that, that tells you something else or leads you down a different path? When you get a thought in your head and you can't think where that came from and it's vile and disgusting and you don't want it in there, you have a choice what you do with it. You are not responsible for the thought in your head, but you are responsible for how you deal with it, how you respond to it. You are not responsible for what happens or what comes at you from this life, ordinary human tragedy and human suffering. You are not responsible for that. This world is corrupt and perverted and not the way it should be. And life is hard. You are not responsible for that, but you are responsible for how you respond to it. You are not responsible for the way you are persecuted as a Christian. You are not responsible for the way that you might be you know, looked down on or scorned or ridiculed or any of that, but you are responsible for how you respond. And the way you respond will depend on the choice you previously made. I will live for Christ. I will live as a servant. I will live with my eyes on eternity and not on this life. When you speak the truth in love, you know I talked about that before, when you speak the truth in love, some people will honour you and some will dishonour you. When you want to live a pure life, some people will laugh in your face. When you explain your motives for wanting to, to live this way and not that way, they'll ridicule you. When, when you start to say that, um, that you want to speak about the Lord Jesus, when you do start to speak about the Lord Jesus, some people will slander you and some people will praise you. Remember, Jesus said, woe to you when all the people speak well of you. When everybody speaks well of you, you can be sure you're not living for Christ. I'm not talking about inside the church now, I'm outside the church. When, well, even inside the church, actually. But when all the people speak well of you, you can be sure. You are not outwardly manifesting Christ. Paul knew how people spoke about him. And he didn't care. Look at what he says. And he knew that it was true, partly. What is it he says? Yes, we are nobodies. Verse 9, he says... Um, as unknown yet well known yes I'm a nobody but God knows my name yes I, we die every day he says we're crucified with Christ some of us are in prison some of us are killed but, because we, but we live because Christ is here now in me and we know we'll be risen from the dead yes we're sorrowful but we're always rejoicing there are so many human reasons for our hearts to break, yet they remain strong and complete. Why? Because I know who walks beside me. Barbara, we just had that conversation. I know who walks behind me and beside me. You see me as poor, he says. 
but we're making so many rich. We don't live to get rich on things, he says. We live to make people rich in Jesus. Go through these verses, you know, when you're alone. Go through these verses. Ask yourself the question, is that me? Because Paul describes the ordinary Christian life. This is not super spiritual stuff. This is not the life of Mother Teresa and everyone like her. This is the life of Vicky and Helen, Diana. This is the normal Christian life. I'm sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing. I'm ridiculed, but I still praise. You may hurt my body, but you can't take my spirit. I belong to God, and I'm headed home to be with him. Paul says it in his letter, I think I've already said that he counts in Philippians chapter 3, I count all things loss. Whatsoever things were gained to me, I've considered loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So Paul's showing them that he's not in this ministry for himself and that this ministry has brought brought him great pain, but because of Jesus, he has counted that as nothing. Why? Because Christ is infinitely precious to Paul. Is he infinitely precious to you? Is Christ the biggest treasure of your life? Is he the thing, the person that you just long to be with? Do you desire him more than anything else in this world? And if you do, that will cause you to make choices in your life. It will cause you to make choices that will be hard to make, but you will actually end up with no choice because it's like Jesus or not. When everything around you gives way, what will happen to you when you have treasured Christ? you will stand firm and sure. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying. That is the life of a servant. Don't you want that life? You want that life, don't you? You want to be able to rejoice in sorrow? You want to be able to hear the the ridicule and the insults and say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You want want to be able to know that you're going to wake up rejoicing tomorrow, come what may. Don't you want that life? And all God's children said, Amen. Amen, I want that life. And that's the life that Christ promises. That's the life that he died to give me. That's the abundant life that he came to give me. And the thing is, Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he has called each one of us here who know him to do much the same thing, to give our life as a ransom sometimes for many. I don't mean that we can do what he did, but as an offering on the service of their faith. 
Paul says he's a bond slave for the Corinthians. For the Philippians, he says he's poured out like a drink offering. For him, he says, as I quoted before, nothing is of any account to me save that I fulfill the ministry of Christ that was given to me by Christ Jesus. Everything he did and everything he thought and everywhere he went and every which way was always for Christ. And I'm challenged by that. And aren't you? Aren't you challenged, really? Because I'm not there. I'm not in that place. But I want to be. You see, when I think about Paul and I think about how he was with that church in Corinth and how he was in the midst of all the difficulties he faced, I know he was like that because he knew that the way he lived in the face of his difficulties would witness to people who were not yet Christ's. Now think of 2019. How many billion people live in the world? Is it eight? Seven, eight? Seven billion people in the world. I would think at a rough estimate, five billion do not know Christ. And of the rest of the two billion, probably some of them think they know Christ and actually don't. So we're, but we're talking about probably five billion people who need to know who Christ is. Now, who on earth is going to tell them if it's not us? Who is going to tell them? And of those five billion, how many live in this country? 65 million? 70 million? 70 million people live in this country. Rough estimate? 50 million don't know Christ. 50 million people in this country do not know Jesus. So come back down, come back down to Gloucestershire or Wiltshire. Come to Sirencester or Stroud or Swindon or Highworth. How many people live in Highworth? 20,000, 25, 30,000? How many people know Christ? 5,000? That's 25,000 people who don't know Christ. Swindon, Sirencester. My village, I come from a little village in Warwickshire. I don't come from there, I come from London, but I come from a little village. 270 people, roughly. I would say 260, 265 don't know Christ. It matters how I live. It matters how you live. It matters how you represent Christ Jesus. It matters that you can say, I'm sorrowful yet always rejoicing. I'm insulted, yet I stand tall. The whole world is shaking around me, yet my foundation is firm. Everyone else is afraid, yet I know perfect love that casts out all fear. It matters that you know that. It matters that you live that. And you see, when you look at those numbers, doesn't it bring it home to you? 2019, Christ could be back any minute and that would end today. Today would be over. Salvation as we know it would be gone.
I want to say like Jackie Pullinger, I don't want to waste another day of my life. I want to say like Paul, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I want to say I want to consider all things as loss compared with the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And I want to say that so that 200 people in my village will see that in me. I want to say that so that 50,000 people in your town, or you want to say that, 50,000 people in your town will see Christ in you. That's the reality of what it means to be a Christian. That's the reality of your life. You are not here as a nobody. You are not here as, as, as a nothing. You are not here to glide through this life and try to get through as best you can. You are here to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he has promised that you just say yes to him and he will do it. He will do it all in you and through you. We have churches serving up nonsense you need to get in there and show them what's real because we've got people walking into those churches every day and their families are mess their marriage is breaking up their children are dying they are they're facing things like you perhaps can't even imagine and they need to see Christ Jesus they need to see the real Jesus. They need to see the Jesus who will wrap his arms around them and tell them that they are safe with him. And he uses your arms and your hands and your voice and your eyes. And he uses everything about you to reach out to those people who come in to the building. People need to see a real God, don't they? They need to see a living saviour. They need to see the real thing. You know, that you're no good to them if you don't represent Christ. If you don't show him to be who he is. People have no hope. People are lost. They are dying. They're desperate. Suicide rates are off the charts. People are just so lost. They're turning to drugs and to drink. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to go. They find themselves in a church building. And if they're served up fluff, they go out more lost than they came in. You have to. We have to speak the truth about Jesus. We have to live the truth about Jesus. You, when you're facing your hardest trouble, you need to be crying out to the Lord so that he strengthens you, so that you can live with joy in the face of that suffering. It matters. Paul knows that they need to see that. And so he lives the way he lives. You and I know they need to see that. You and I know that people are lost. And that they're not going to spend eternity with the Lord God. And you and I know that their troubles now are nothing compared to the troubles they're going to have. We know these things. And all that God is asking us to do is to stop playing games and to just live for him.
you know, people need to see that I really do love the things that God loves. That I really do care about the things that God cares about. That it's not just words for me. And they need to see that in you. And you can't fake it. Because people see through that. You have to be real. And there is only one way to be real. And that is to let God live in and through you. And the way that they see it best is when your life is a shambles. The way they see it best is when someone you love is about to die. The way they see it best is when your marriage is breaking up because you've chosen for Christ. The way they see it best is when you keep on keeping on, even though every part of your human body wants to say, enough, I've had enough. (sighs) Sorrowful, but always rejoicing, Paul says. You know, there are some days, really... I just wonder, I just wake up in the morning and I think, well, I don't know, what am I going to do today then, Lord? How am I going to get through today? And I haven't got any troubles worse than yours. And then God. I choose for God. I choose for God. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I choose for him and he does it. So now, I want to finish with Romans 8, but I don't want to do that yet. We overwhelmingly conquer through him he loves us. Romans 8, that wonderful crescendo of praise that Paul gets to in in Romans. So I suppose before I get there, I want to ask you really, Knowing what you know, knowing what we've talked about today, will you pray that God will make you a servant? Will you give him your life as a servant? I don't know what that will mean for you in in practical terms, but I know it will mean something. I don't know how he'll ask you to do it. I don't know what he'll call you to do but I know he'll call you to something. He'll call me away and he'll call Alex a different way and he'll call Carol a different way and it'll all be different, but it'll all be the same because it will all be Christ. It will all be in him and with him and for him. And I want to ask you if you'll do that. And I want to ask you, will you pray? That, that you will experience the powerful grace of God in your life and that he will take all of the deception that you might have believed 
and all of the wrong thinking that you've had and all of the nonsense and that he will fill you with his truth and that his Holy Spirit will take that truth and minister it deep into your heart so that you can go out to the five billion people who need to know Jesus. And will you pray like Jackie Pullinger prayed? I don't want to waste another day of my life. I just don't want to waste another day. Sometimes, you know, I say these things and I think, into my head pops the thought, it's a bit extreme, Lord, isn't it? You know, it's a bit over the top. I mean, this is down Ampney on a Saturday afternoon, after all. You know. But then I think that's, that's who God is. He's come here, because that's where we are. And he's speaking because we've opened our ears. And he's saying, I need everything you've got. I want everything you've got. He doesn't need it, he wants it. I want everything you've got. And I will use it to my glory. So I'm going to ask Alex actually just to pray, uh, to play. And um, I'm just going to pray and um, ask the Lord really to do for us what I've been saying. And, um, you know, I'm not, one, not a big one for altar calls. This is not an altar. This is a very rickety music stand. But uh, if you want to come forward for prayer, and anyone who is able to pray for other people, if you come forward too, if anyone comes, and if you don't want to come forward, that's fine. But if you would just pray where you are, if you would just commit to the Lord that day, this day would be the day that you say, I'm not wasting another day. I'm going on with you. And if you want to know how you can serve and how you can help, and if you're really stuck for a way, come and see me after, because <laughs> we have tons of ways you can serve in this ministry. We are out in missions. We're going to Wales. We're going to London. We're out evangelizing on the streets of Sirencester, and we'll go to any streets. We are doing Bible studies and courses and days like this. We are trying to set up and, and run a worship band. Alex has done so well and Reuben today. And we want that to grow. We want people to desire truth and to wrap it up in love. So I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to pray too, that would be great. So, Father God. Father, there's so much out there that's confusing to us, Lord, and chaotic. And there's so many things in our individual lives that cause us pain and heartache. And, and we can't fix, Lord, we can't fix. But we know that you are the God of the impossible, that nothing is impossible for you, that you have promised that you will never leave, that you are faithful even when we are not. And that you will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. And we believe you, Lord. And so right now I want to offer you every day that I have left, Lord, 
every day of my life. And I don't want to waste a moment of it. And I want you to use me for your glory. And I want to be used in the lives of other people, no matter what it costs, no matter what I must do or where I must go. I want to live for you, Lord. And I believe that I will receive blessing on blessing on blessing. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you that we could see this word. I thank you that we can pray. I thank you that you are a great and mighty and wonderful God. I thank you that you are majestic and splendid and beautiful. I thank you that you are my God. I just thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And I ask you now, Lord, to speak into our hearts individually to confirm to us that you have heard our response and that you are pleased and the angels rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
yourself away so you can use me I say yes I say yes Lord I say yes so you can use me so To Him I freely give I will ever love I will trust Him in His presence daily I I am you.